0: Invite them and let them know that next week is Southern Gospel Sunday and it's also uh, Family Fellowship Day. So we're going to have not only the food, but if the activities in the gym, if it's nice outside, we can. if you want to bring your softball or baseball stuff, if you want to bring frisbees, if you want to bring footballs, croquet, volleyball net, whatever you would like to do and have as an activity. Let's do that next week and spend some time together and plan to have fellowship one with another. Uh, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles with you, open them up again to Revelation chapter 3. We're just about out of here, I promise. But I found something in this section that was special and I wanted to share with you today. It's, it's so good. And while you're turning there, I've got to tell you something I heard. It was uh, a... <laughs> Coming from a pastor, I probably shouldn't tell this joke because it's about a pastor, but uh, you guys might say amen to the, to the punchline that the usher says. But uh, it, it was kind of a big church. I wouldn't maybe call it a mega church, but it was a good size. And this uh, elderly lady came in and the usher said, uh, can I seat you? And she said, yes, I would love to have a seat on the front row. <laughs> the usher, he kind of smiled and he said, I don't know if you want to do that. She said, why not? No, because our pastor's kind of boring. He's liable to put you to sleep. You might want to sit in the back. She goes, son, do you know who I am? And he said, no, ma'am. Said, well, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> oh, he kind of got a little sheepish and stuff. And he says, well, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she said, no. And he goes, thank God. <laughs> he, he was going to be in trouble. <clears throat> but anyway... If you're there with Revelation chapter 3, let's begin in verse 14 and let's stop at verse 20. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say that I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and you don't know that you're wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I counsel you, therefore, to buy from me gold refined in the fire, That you might be rich. And white garments. That you might be clothed. And that the shame of your nakedness wouldn't be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve. That you might see. As many as I love. There's our key verse for today that we're going to be focusing on. As many as I love. I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous. Repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Man, what a promise that is, isn't it? To have the Lord come in and want to have fellowship and to dine with us. But I've learned so much this week about God's faithfulness and about his love and his desire for us. And this is going to be kind of a little different spin on love. But it's the love of the Father that we've been singing about this entire time. As we prepared for worship in the word of God. And it says there in verse 19. As many as I love to those whom I love. And I'm thinking when it says as many as I love. Almost sounds exclusive doesn't it? It almost sounds like I've got some folks that I love and as many as I love, I want to do something with. I thought God loved everybody. I I thought God loved everybody. You know, am I missing something here? Well, the Bible was originally written in a language called Koine Greek that was very rich, flavorful language that described things like love in different ways that we use other descriptive terms for there's, there's always a little bit of a nugget of truth. When you think something sounds funny and something, I'm missing something here, what about this select group? That means I need to dig a little deeper because he's wanting to tempt me to learn something that's deeper in truth. And that's what we're going to do because when I say the word love, you can have all kinds of different ideas about love, we have to be very specific with some adjectives or some adverbs to describe it, don't we? Because you have romantic love. You've got a love that's between husband and wife. You've got friendship love that you have with people that you know, that you work with, that you're acquainted with, that that you love them dearly because they're your friends. I mean, it doesn't end with just the word love, does it? It takes more than just that word to describe it. Did you know that there's also different forms? There's personal and impersonal love. You know, personal love is love that I have for y'all because I know you then there's a deeper personal love that I have towards my daughter and grandson and nieces and nephews and my wife but then there's impersonal love and an impersonal love is a love that wants what's best for fellow man but you've never met him how many times have you seen when the hurricanes hit and people were homeless, and people didn't have food, and water, and shelter, that your hearts were touched and reached out, even though you didn't know them. That's that impersonal love that is out there. When we see the, the kids that are hungry over in a foreign country, and your heart is touched with that, that's an impersonal love. So there's many forms of love, and that's what we want to talk about today, because in the, in the original language... It uses words to describe these things. And one of the words for love is the word agape. Agape is a wide covering love. We know about agape in Kairos ministry, don't we? Because we got an agape room. It's the love room and it's where all of your cookies are and it's where your food comes from out of the kitchen and it's where your prayer chains come from and your posters and your placemats and all the love that folks have given as an impersonal way to people they don't even love, but you've supplied that for them. That's an agape love. It's the word that is used in John three sixteen, when it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is the agape love of God. Just like we gave in that room for those folks that we didn't even know. That it's impersonal. But it's still in a great love that we want the best and want what's right. And we want to help them out. And we want them to have a relationship with God. That's the word for that. This is agape love that wants the best for someone. It's also given to us in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. When Paul writes there and he says, you know what, I've been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And therefore now the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. There's that love. And gave himself for me. That's agape love. He loved me and gave of himself for me. The father loved me in John 3.16. And gave his son for me. Agape love that he has. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 4 and 5. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great agape love. And with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, He loved us and made us alive together with Christ because we've been saved by grace through faith. Then in Ephesians 5, we see the love of Christ. Again, agape demonstrated to us. Walk in love. That's you and I. Walk in love towards each other. Just as Christ also loved us. And gave of himself an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling savor. That's agape love. That wants the best. That gives and and gave for us. It's a deep love. But you know what? In our text in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. Where it says as many as I love like a selected group. Because that was a wide range love wasn't it to every creature to every creation of god that has the breath of life in them god loved them and gave his son jesus gave of himself on the cross for every one that has breath of life and that love stretches to everyone but that's not the word that's used here in this selective type group when he says to as many as i love that's the word phileo in the original language. We know that as. City of Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. It's, it's a brotherly love type of thing. You know we just studied a couple weeks ago. The sit letter to the church at Philadelphia. That got the thing started Because. The ruler, the emperor of Rome, as he was rebuilding this city, he loved his brother so much for his faithfulness to him that he built the city and was going to name it in his honor. He built the city for him. And everybody, though, that was working on it said, let's call it Philadelphia, the city of the love of your brother. And that's what it was. God so loved the world that he gave his son Is agape. It's a love to everyone. But, and it sheds to those who are even positive or negative towards God. That is always out there as a beck and call to anyone. God loves you and gave of his son. But you know what? As a Christian, we have a special relationship whenever we are in Christ Jesus. And that is phileo love. It's a deeper relationship than a worldly type of a relationship. Because the question is asked, can God have fellowship with unrighteousness? Can light have fellowship with darkness? No, look at First John chapter 1 verses 5 through 9 up there. Listen to what John, who is also the penman of Revelation says. This is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him. Now, now concentrate on that word fellowship there. If we say that we have fellowship with Him. But we walk in darkness. We're lying. Because there is not that fellowship, is there? If we say we have fellowship with God. But we want to walk in darkness. We lie and we're not practicing the truth. But. Here's one of those good buts of the Bible. But. If. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, continues to cleanse us from our sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're only deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we will confess our sins and our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that brings us back. Into that close. Vileo love relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 says. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because what fellowship. Has righteousness with lawlessness. If we walk in the light. As he is in the light. If we have Fellowship. With righteousness, with lawlessness, what communion has light? With darkness, there is none. You're walking one way or another. If we say we have fellowship with Him and we don't practice the truth, then we don't have that relationship. So fellowship with God is a big deal. It's what He desires of us because of His love for us. It's a deeper love because we are Christians and He desires that we have a different type of thing. Man, I thought for sure that was off first time ever but he wants us to enjoy a relationship with him a love honor relationship with him that is deeper than the general type of love that was shed to the world it speaks of closeness this is the definition used for this type of love it shows warm affection in an intimate friendship it's to kiss As to be characterized by tender, heartfelt consideration and kinship. Did you know that the benefit of being in Christ, of being a Christian, is that that's what God and the Son and the Spirit want with us. It wants a love, deep, kinship, hold you, love you, tenderly kiss you upon the head. That is the type of love that Jesus is referring to in Revelation 3. To the church, as many as I love, I am going to do these things for you. He freely gave up the glory of heaven and being God and having angels worship him and sing praises to him and he came and made himself of low esteem as a human being To die upon the cross for our sins. And that is not for anything but a close relationship with those that he loves. He wants that with us. But as he looks down on Laodicea with love and sometimes with me. He looks and then this is what he says in his text. Back to Revelation 3 if, if you're following along. He says... He looks at those that he loves with this intimate relationship and he says, you're my bride. The church is the bride of Christ and I am waiting to come and to receive my bride and you've dumped me. You've ditched me for some things that's caught your eye in this world and with the Laodiceans it's because they said they were rich and they had need of nothing. With us it's many times many different things but he says, you've left me. He sees us proclaiming by the way we live and what we say and do that we have no need of Him and we are not His anymore. And it hurts Him to the core because He loves us and has had a relationship with us and He knows us and He's within us and He can't stand to see whenever His bride and whenever the Father sees His Son hurting He doesn't like that. So he has to take action. When the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life began to tempt us away from that walk and that intimacy with him, then he says, I'm going to do something about it because I'm not going to leave you where you are and let you be that type of way. When bad things begin to happen because of decisions we've made, We begin to say we're being punished. No, we're not being punished. That's just the revelation of truth that comes from the decisions we've made. God's not punishing us. And I want that to be the first thing. I learned that this week. And praise God, He's not punishing us. If there's punishment, a lot of it's coming from what we've made as decisions. The rest of it is what He's doing out of love to try to correct us for the way that we've went. The quickest way to escape that's what we saw a minute ago in First John 1 verse 9. If we confess those faults, ask for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us of those things. And that puts us back in that fellowship with him. And I'm forgiven. And I've accepted personal responsibility for what has been happening. And now he takes that responsibility upon himself. And he starts removing that. But if I continue to... Cast the blame on family, on friends, on acquaintances, on different things, and sometimes even on God. Um, what was it? This woman you gave me, Adam said. It was still his, his decision, wasn't it? Most of the time, that's the way it is with us. friend of mine, he had a, I worked with him for many years, and he had a wonderful faithful little grandmother that lived in Kentucky and never had a house that had a, a, a floor in it. It was dirt floor. She swept the dirt. It wasn't much more than a cardboard shack, but she was the happiest woman, he said, that he ever knew. And she had a saying. And we used that as our clutch saying for things that happened around work about people that would always stab you in the back or things would happen, you know. You know you've been around that, Right okay she told him the story when he was down there visiting of one of the kids that one day one of the boys they loved to play with the garter snakes and the frogs and the different things that was wandering around the farm and one day that garter snake latched around and latched on to him and bit him and he was a young feller, and it scared him more and it hurt him and he came running back and He started crying and she said, what's the matter? And she said, that snake bit me. She looked at it and saw that it wasn't a poisonous snake that had fangs. It was just a garter snake that had kind of scraped him up a little bit. She said, well, you knew it was a snake when you picked it up, didn't you? And that was our main saying after that. You knew it was a snake when you started playing with it. That's what she would say. And so, if you are hanging around in places... Or with people that seem to always get you in trouble. Then start thinking you knew what it was when you began dealing with it. When you picked it up. When you get along with it. You knew what it was. And so you can't blame them. You got to end up blaming yourself. And once we begin to see the truth in that. Now we get to be on the right road of coming back. Because you know why the snake bit him? That's what snakes do. And if we play around with trouble, we get into dicey situations, we're going to end up getting bit. Fortunately, though, we have a Savior that loves us with this personal relationship love that doesn't want to see that kind of thing happen. So back in verse 19, As many as I love because we have a tender relationship with each other, I see what's happening with your decisions in Laodicea. And I see what's happening in decisions in Perrigan, Indiana. And because of that, I'm going to do two things. He says, I'm going to rebuke and chasten. Now, that's because I love you. So don't think that it's punishment. It is love. And what he says is again, they said, I'm rich and I have need of nothing. We have other things, but it still goes with the thing. The rebuke now is coming because the Savior loves us and doesn't want that door closed on Him. The misery that we might be facing was from our decisions. Look back up there in verse 17. It says, They were already wretched, miserable, blind, because you are saying, I am rich. You've already closed the door. It's, it's the decisions made that caused The wretched miserableness, not me. I am now stepping in out of love because I love you to try to guide you out of this. As many as I love, that is you, my Christian, the one who is in Christ. I got to act on your behalf. And the Bible says this, it asks us a question. Have we forgotten something? Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 5 says, have you forgotten my exhortation, which speaks to you as sons? Now, what's coming is a direct quote from Proverbs, and that's why it's saying, Have you forgotten? Now, listen to what he says My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, or be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son that he receives. But if you endure the chastening, God then is dealing with you as his son, as one that he loves. And what son is there that a father does not have to correct? And if the human fathers correct their children whom they love to lead them in the right path, why not much more should we not be in subjection to our father of our spirit than So that we might have life. So that is the exact thing that's going on in the lives of Laodicea. And sometimes in my life. Whenever I start to see this. Whom the Lord loves. Phileo. A deep relationship. He's going to rebuke and to chasten. First is the rebuke. And the word for that means to expose something. To make it known. To reveal so that you understand. So the first step. Is when I'm starting to really get feeling things of this world from what I've made decisions on. Now you're going to feel a little bit of something else that's less, but the design and the intent of it is to open our eyes so that we reveal, we see, we apply that eye salve that he talked about in there so that you can see that the way that I'm going is leading me into a wrong way. If I will heed. That warning, terrific. I'm already coming out from underneath of all everything. But many times, if you're like me and you got a hard head, you don't listen to the light knock. Because that's the light knocking on the door when he says, I stand at the door at knock. If you hear my voice, there's a light knocking. He's not trying to harm out of love. He's trying to get you to see where you're doing, what you're going. But then he says, if you don't hear that, the second wave is the louder knocking. Whenever you go to a door and you knock the first time and they don't answer, what do you do? You try to knock a little bit louder, trying to get their attention. Well, they used to try to get my attention as a kid with a willow switch. I've, I've told this many a times. You know, the, the second one, the chastening, it comes like this. Have, have you ever had your parent say to you, okay, what you've been doing is not something that I really um, want you to do, so if I catch you doing it again, you're going to get blistered. Now, you guys might not have never had had that kind of thing said to you. You all were angels and never had to get talked to like that. (laughs) Not me. Hey, this old country boy got some lickings. I had to go pull my own willow switches. (laughs) And I had to go and take my finger like that backwards and peel all those little leaves off of it and bring them those switches. And I'd get my legs and my hind end lit up with it. And I'd try to run and dance. So they got smart and told me to lay on the bed. And while I was laying on the bed, they would strap it where I couldn't go nowhere. But you know what? You look back. I share those stories with love and affection and tenderness and memories now. Because I realized... my mom loved me she didn't want me getting hurt she didn't want me getting into a mess that i couldn't get myself out of so she would if i didn't listen she had to strap me a little bit and that's what the lord is saying here i see what's going on i don't want you getting in trouble i'm your father i'm going to teach you that's That's where we studied a couple of weeks ago. When he said I've got some advice for you. I want to be your counselor. Let me give you some advice. There's your rebuke. There's your exposure. There's your teaching. Your training. But then if we don't listen. Then comes the chastisement. And the word for there is. Like the rearing up of a kid. And the training with corrective measures. And that's all it is. It's out of love that this is happening. And I got to tell you i never thought that i needed all of that but i did i was in an unfortunate place this week in the hospital and a and some close friend of mine from when i was growing up and i hadn't seen him for a long time and the one gal i went to school with their son passed away Um, but before he did she came out and was talking with me and met her daughter who was coming in that's why she came out and she was talking with me and explaining what was going on and when the daughter came in she said hey this is and she told my name and said that this is who I grew up she said do you remember when we were sitting over at uncle kenny's house the other day talking about the meanest kid in the neighborhood that's him <laughs> honest my jaw had to have dropped because while she was t- i'm like Meanest kid in the neighborhood? Really? I never seen myself as that. How many times have we been saying through this as the Lord's writing to these churches that we don't always see the way He sees, do we? With His eyes. I didn't think I needed all of that. Strapping and willow switches. I guess I did if I was the meanest kid in the neighborhood. You know what? That just goes to show what God can do with even the meanest kid in the neighborhood. Right? If you will heed my rebuke and my chastening so that you walk in my light and have fellowship with me. And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll listen. It goes on there in our verse to say, then be zealous and repent. And that word zealous is an omnipoetic word. And that's just a big thing that means it sounds like what it means. Zealous, zealous. It's the sound of boiling water. That's what the word zealous was. It's sizzling. Remember he said, because you're not hot and you have become lukewarm, the word for zealous means to get hot again. Zealous. Get zealous for me. Get back on fire with me. Get back to the heat source. Remember, I'm the heat source. Get back with me. Be zealous and repent. And I'm tired of folks saying repentance means you hear them on TV and you hear them in places saying... That means to uh, feel sorry. and Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's not what the word repent means. I can feel sorry for what I've done. And I can be crying and praying to the Lord. And asking for forgiveness. And snot coming out because I'm so sorry. And a half an hour later when that emotion has gone. I can fall again to it. Emotions aren't any good. What what the word repentance means is... To completely change your thought process. Which changes the inner man. Into something according to God's will. That is what the word repentance means. It doesn't mean to just feel sorry. You can feel sorry. But it has to go along with the actual changing of the mind. Which leads to the changing of the actions in the heart. In accordance to the word of God. So he says. I hope. That you see how much I love you. I can't stand to see you miserable. I'm going to, to rebuke and make it known. Then I'm going to knock a little louder. And if you will hear. If you will hear. Be zealous. Change your life. And when that happens look up there at verse 20. He says when that happens we got a promise. I'm going to come into you. The Savior of the world is going to personally, he made a promise here, come to you. If you will follow this instruction, I'm going to come to you. and I'm going to come in with you. And it means with an important purpose. Because I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have that phileo love relationship with you. And we're going to dine. And we're going to sup. And we're going to be together in fellowship. Because you heeded my advice you came back to me in love i have forgiven you of everything and now we move on in life and i want you to know that once you have asked for forgiveness and you've been forgiven and you have been forgiven and it's wiped clean anything that the rebuke and chastening stops it's gone it served its purpose it's gone that's not to say that some of the recompense from my decisions go on because sometimes it has to. I mean, if, if you happen to have hurt somebody and now they say you go to jail, you've still got to do that. You can't say, God forgave me, you should too. No, God forgave you. He wiped it clean, but sometimes still in society, we still have to pay the recompense of those things, but that's what he's trying to keep us from having to do. But then he says there's another promise in Romans eight 28. I've taken away the rebuke. I've taken away the chastening. But anything else that has to go along with, with whatever is happening on account of that, I promise you. I will change it to your good. All things can work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. When we start to begin to be called and walking according to his purpose then all things now are blessing. Cursing is turned to blessing in life then. And the rebuke and chastening are gone. And we now have fellowship one with another. So as the worship team uh, returns on up uh, and we close this thing out, let's just review the powerful message that the Lord is giving to us in this section of Scripture. With, first off, with the Laodiceans, their, their misery... Came mostly from their decision to shut the door to Christ. And to say I don't need you anymore. I'm already got everything that I need. There are times that I've not made the wisest decisions either. But. If we repent of that. If we hear and we heed. When the doctor comes and he gives us first the counseling. Of what we need to do to get to feel better. If we heed that. There's the first step we don't get to the next ones. If we don't heed the counseling, then we get the next step, the rebuke. That's kind of like, well, I'm going to have to put you in the hospital for a little bit for an IV to get you back, fluids in you and stuff. If I walk out of there and still haven't repented and changed, now I might have to end up with an operation to get cut on a little bit. But all of this is coming from the great physician who says, I know how to heal you. I want to love you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I don't want those things to happen. Get rid of your eye disease. Wash them with my counsel. Turn back to me. Get zealous. Get hot. Come back and walk with me. And share and dine with that relationship love. That I want to have with you. And I pray that this means as much to you. As it has to me that. That God loves me and doesn't want to see me fail in any way. And he'll do anything that he can as a loving father. To make sure that I don't. Let's pray. Father we thank you so much that there's an agape love. And that we fall under that too. That your son died for our sins and you gave him up for us. That once we accept you in faith. Faith in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We have phileo relationship with you. We have closeness. We have intimacy. We have a deeper love. How deep the Father's love for us. We'll never know the price that was paid. Father, thank you for wanting to have a deep, intimate relationship with all of us that are in Christ. Even the meanest kid on the block. In your name we pray. Amen.